Hey everybody, so good to be with you again. My name is Tom and I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. We are pushing pause on our study in the book of Acts. And we are, um, sorry guys, that shouldn't be on full screen right now. If it is, I think I might have accidentally. All right, cool, very good. Um, we are pushing pause on that book. Acts is 28 chapters long. And what we're, our hope is, is that we can remain focused by taking a little break We'll come back refocused and excited about the book of Acts. But at the same time, we're going to draw on the inspiration from Acts and, and dig a little bit deeper and see how we can take that and apply that to what's going on right here, right now in Fairfield, Connecticut. And I've called these little um, series breaks disruptors. And right now, we're going to be moving into something we're calling disrupted by hope. And... Disruption has like a negative connotation these days, right? But we are gonna, we're gonna take that back. When you think about disruption, that means that something or someone or an entity is proceeding on a course and it's acted upon by an outside force and its course is changed and it does not return to its original course. Unlike an interruption where something is going along a path, something gets in the way, pushes pause, and then it picks up right where it left off. Our hope is that we would be able to take the learnings from the book of Acts and that we would be able to disrupt Fairfield County with the hope and the peace and the love and the joy of Jesus Christ. So that's what our intent is with these little, with these little breaks. And I talked about Fairfield County, and I want to start here about, give you a little bit of my story and how this came to be. Um, I grew up here, spent 95% of my life here, and I grew up and I swore that I would never raise my kids in Fairfield County. The pace, the pressure, the values, all of it was pushing me away. So I went to college, got a corporate job, got married, and I got transferred to Arkansas. You don't get much farther from Fairfield County than Arkansas. And it was, it, I thought like I was, on, I was on my way. Our first child was born and Gail and I were talking. We kind of decided that maybe it would be good to be around family and friends for a little while during Jake's early formative years. So I let my boss in Connecticut know that if there were any opportunities to come back to Connecticut, man, I would love to know about them. And I let it go with that. A couple of months later, I don't even remember the time frame, but some time went by. And my boss called and said, hey, there's an opportunity in Norwalk. Would you like to talk about it? And it was perfect. And we ended up coming back to Connecticut, found Crossroads as a church. And we're, we were attending for, I don't know, a year, 18 months. And Rich Joy had caught wind of the fact that Gail and I had some youth ministry experience as Young Life volunteers. So he asked Gail and I, along with two other couples, to pray for the youth of Crossroads. That's it, just pray. So it was very sneaky of him, by the way. Um, we got together every other Saturday and for six months, and we prayed, and we dreamt, and we hoped. And after about six months, we kind of looked at each other, and we're like, man, this is silly. We all have youth ministry experience. There's this group of middle schoolers and early high schoolers that are just here waiting to hang out. So we started hanging out with students, trying to share the love of Jesus with them in a way that they could understand. Um, not too long after that, the elders asked me to, to come on staff. And I didn't intentionally leave my, um, my anti-Fairfield County bias behind. It just was, it was kind of starting to happen over the course of time. And I can look back now and there are points in time when I'm like, you know, if anything ever, ever happened to Crossroads, I didn't think I would like go scouring the country looking for another ministry opportunity. God hadn't just called me to full-time ministry. He had called me to full-time ministry 
in Fairfield County. So that's why we're here and that's where we're at. Fast forward to February 2019, Leanne and myself and John and Rachel and Marvin, we were walking a property for potential use as a, as a church building for us, a new church home for Crossroads. And the custodian there, a gentleman by the name of Willie, is a follower of Jesus. And Willie and I are just hanging out, we're chit-chatting, we're talking, and before I knew it, Willie is like praying. I mean, he's like really praying for me and he's getting after it and he starts prophesying over me. Um, he's, he's like got a word from God for me and, he's, and he starts praying this over me. And what he said was that there were things inside of me that were about to be unleashed. And I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, I kind of had some ideas, but I didn't have any idea of the fullness of what that picture was. A couple months go by, and I am in my car driving on my way to go see my son, Jared. And I hear, I very strongly feel God impressing upon me. Um, I have been developing in you a heart for Fairfield County and it's time to do something about it. And I was like, okay. And very, very clearly, I'm on the, the merge ramp in Newtown, getting on 84 West. And God says, is talking to me about Crossroads and how unique Crossroads in, is. And it's this, this relational, authentic place where it's safe for Jesus to meet people where they're at. People can approach him with whatever, whatever baggage they may have or not have. And, and check him out in a, in a safe way. And at the same time, um, God was reminding me of the unique needs, or like we talked about at the beginning of the Acts series, the barriers, right? The, the apostles and the disciples were breaking through barriers. The barriers that exist in Fairfield County, things like a need for hope, a need for peace, a need for, for love and for joy. And now I believe me, I know that those needs exist everywhere, but after having spent 95% of my life here in Fairfield County, I think they manifest themselves in unique ways here that Crossroads is uniquely suited to address. So we're taking steps structurally as like an organization to position ourselves in and around Fairfield County so we can disrupt it with hope and joy and peace and love. But here's the thing, guys. Here's what, as individuals, we need to get better at. We need to step up our game at tying things like hope and joy and peace and love to the gospel of Jesus. Yes, we absolutely need to practice the gospel. We need to preach it as well. We need to help people understand that the hope that they see in us, the joy that they see in us amidst crazy stuff going on around us in the world is found in Jesus and it's available to them and it's readily available to them. So that's where we're at right now and we're gonna start the next three weeks, we're going to look at this idea of being disrupted by hope. So we're going to dive in. Uh, I chose a passage in the book of Romans, and I'm going to read the thing to you in its entirety, and then we're going to break it down. So this is Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God by being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, what great great verses. That's Romans chapter 4 verses, or verses 18 through chapter 5 verse 8. And I want to start diving into that by defining the biblical idea of hope. And it's this, the confident expectation that God will do what he has promised to do. Biblical hope is the confident expectation that God will do what he has promised to do. Let's dive in. Here we go. The first verse we looked at, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed what were Abraham's obstacles to that hope? All right, so God made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Abraham was, was wicked old when he made that promise. He wasn't 100 yet, but he was old. He was somewhere in the ballpark, 75, 80. There was, they had tried their ways. It wasn't happening. Um, there was no such thing as in vitro. They had tried the ancient uh, equivalent of surrogacy. The promise was getting old. Now Abraham is coming up on 100 years old. Sarah is not much younger. And it says that he was as good as dead. Sarah's womb was dead. Insurmountable obstacles. Here's, listen to Abraham. What, against all hope, against all hope, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope. I don't know about you guys, but there are things in my life that I feel like are against all hope. We all face them. If not now, maybe you have in the past or maybe you will in the future. Maybe it's just like Abraham and Sarah. Maybe you feel like you're too old. Maybe it's the flip side of that. Maybe you feel like you're too young. Maybe you feel like you're too poor. Maybe you feel like living in this area, in the Fairfield County area, and the comfort and the luxury that you have is, is too distracting. Maybe you feel too lonely. You're too isolated. You're too confused. You're too addicted. You have too much baggage, too much history. Whatever it is, against all hope, in hope, believe. And what is it? What is it that makes that possible? Here's what made it possible for Abraham. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham took him at his word, and then he lived like that was true. This book is full of promises. If God says something in that book, his promise is good. And we're going to see in a couple verses of like the assurance that we have of that. He makes all kinds of promises. And friends, please listen to me. He can do it. Whatever he has promised in this book, he can do it. He has, he has promised to take our anxious thoughts and in prayer turn them into peace that passes understanding. He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. God can do that. He has promised that there is nothing that can stand against us when we are with him. He has promised that 
no matter what we face, no matter the hardship, the trauma, the tragedy, the loss, no matter what that is, is that he can do it and he can take that and use it for our good and for his glory. He has promised that we would have life abundantly here and now, even amidst the craziness of everything that's going on in our current cultural moment in our Fairfield County area. He has promised that we'll have life to the full if we walk in it with him. But not only that, we have the hope of eternal life in him, and he can do that, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised to do. And what, how did Abraham apprehend that? How did he take hold of it? It was credited to him as righteousness. Credited, it was given, it was a gift. Abraham, like I just said, Abraham didn't do anything other than take God at his word and live like it was true. And as a result, God took death and brought it to life. That's what God does. That is the essence of the gospel. God takes dead things and makes them alive. And he said that promise wasn't just for Abraham. It's for us who believe in him. When we believe in Jesus, when we believe that Jesus came and walked this earth as a man and did things that nobody else has ever done before, nobody else ever will, that he died innocently on our behalf and that he rose again, when we believe in those things, all the attributes of, a, of Jesus are attributed to us. They're credited to us. Jesus' goodness, Jesus' perfection, the sufficiency of Jesus, our credit that's given to us. And when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of his son credited to us. God takes dead things and he makes them alive. He has the power to do that. <clears throat> the hope that we have is this phrase, scholar t scholars tell us this, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That phrase points to the hope that we have for life in eternity with God. Me, wretched sinner that I am, eternity with the God of the universe in a sinless paradise. That's the hope that we have. That's what we can boast in. And it's not only that. Hope does not put us to shame. These verses talk about, this is like suffering, and suffering, our suffering in Christ, our suffering is never wasted. It's never in vain. We are empowered to walk through some of life's hardest things, and I know you guys, I, I know some of your stories, and I know some of you who are watching that I don't know have stories of, of even more pain and more hurt. Jesus promises that we won't walk through those alone. He promises that those won't be in vain. Not only will he build our character, but he'll use those things for our good and for his glory. And why can we be assured of that? Because of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. The God of the universe comes and resides within those of us who call ourselves, who call upon the name of Jesus, who call ourselves followers of Jesus. The last thing I want to point out about this passage is this thought that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Abraham did not do anything other than take God at his word. He believed God and he lived like it was true. God moves towards us. Jesus moves towards us even while we are still hostile toward him. He moves towards humanity while it's still hostile towards him. Jesus was moving towards the men who put him on the cross. 
Jesus doesn't wait for us to clean ourselves up. He doesn't wait for us to stop drinking too much or stop, or stop gossiping or, or stop having lustful thoughts. He doesn't wait for that stuff to stop. The offer of the hope that is in him is available to us before we clean ourselves up. He doesn't wait for us to start a regular Bible habit. He doesn't wait for us to start giving to the needy. He reaches out to us and meets us where we're at. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The sacrificial, substitutionary death of Jesus does not depend on us, but we depend completely on it. Let me say that again. The sacrificial, substitutionary death of Jesus does not depend on us, but we depend completely on it. So that was like a really fast overview of biblical hope as laid out in Romans 4 and 5. How do we how do we respond to that? How do we respond to that hope that's offered to us as a free gift? How do we respond to a hope that we can boast in and that we can be assured of, that even life's hardest things that we can still hope in? And I don't want, I don't want to overthink this. I don't want to make it more complicated than it has to be. So I'm going to give you one word, and I'm going to support that with a couple other words. And that one word is give. The response to hope is to give. We give Jesus our worship. We show that we have hope in him by responding in everything that we think and we say and do, and we do it as a response to his greatness and his glory. We give Jesus our worship. We give Jesus our allegiance. By giving him our allegiance, we show that our hope is not in a, in a government or a political party or a candidate. Our hope is in the king of kings, and we are his kids, and he uses us to grow his kingdom. We give Jesus our stuff. We give Jesus our time, our talent, our money to show that our hope is not in the trappings and all the stuff of Fairfield County, but in Jesus, who is the ultimate model of generosity. We give Jesus our suffering because Jesus suffered so that we might have hope. He suffered so that we might not suffer in vain. We give Jesus our, our suffering because we are not identified by it. We are identified by him, and he can take even the hardest things and use them. And finally, we give bold, bold proclamation of who Jesus is. That just means that we tell our story with Jesus. We tell Jesus's story, and we give that to people everywhere we go, everyone we meet. We carry the hope of Jesus with us, and as we do that, we will disrupt Fairfield County and we, ch we will change its trajectory and it will not be the same. I want to um, I want to close our time by ending in prayer and I want to um, I'm going to pray for a couple of different things. I'm going to pray maybe there are some of you who are participating in the service today and you don't know you've never experienced the hope that's found in in Jesus. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to take hold of that hope. And for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a while, I'm gonna pray for us to boldly take that hope wherever we go and with whomever we meet as we travel around Fairfield County. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Um, that we can have confident expectation that whatever you promise to do, you will do. Lord, I pray for my friends and my family and 
those I haven't met who don't know you, who haven't experienced your hope, who don't, who maybe are hearing for the first time that you have this power and you extend it to all of us. So God, we come before you and we humbly confess those things that we've done that have hurt you and have hurt other people and have hurt ourselves. And we ask for your forgiveness. God, and we believe that that Jesus is who the Bible says he is and that he still does amazing things, that he died on the cross for my sin and that he rose from the dead and that he's gonna come back. And in this moment, God, we ask that, um, that we could make that hope our own. God, and you would make us the kind of people who could live, believe in these things and live like they are true. I'm just gonna leave a little bit of space for you guys to do a little bit. If there's business that needs to be done with God, you go ahead and do that. Just a a few seconds. Father, I thank you so much for those of us who have been walking with you, whether it be for a couple days or a couple years. God, we, we thank you that we know what this hope is, what it means, and how powerful it is. Father, we pray that you, um, that you would give us courage to carry this hope wherever we go, that you would open our eyes to the opportunities that you have in front of us. God, that you would, for each person at Crossroads, God, who is walking with you, who has this hope, I pray that you would give them a person of peace, a person that you have prepared in advance to hear your word and that you would give our eyes to see who that person is, and then you would give us the courage to step into that moment and to share your hope and your peace and your love and your joy. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.